0: The program is utility control, firefighting, and hazardous materials. What's that mean? What it means is we're going to show you how to turn on your utilities, how to turn them off. We're going to show you some basic firefighting skills, and we're going to show you some sort of hazardous material things to look for in the event of a disaster. Okay, first thing is natural gas. What do we know about natural gas? Flammable. Yeah, it's flammable. Um, It goes boom. Okay, so that's real important that we're able to shut this off in an emergency. Okay, we use it for cooking, heating, and hot water. Now, in Loma Prieta, there were 45,000 people who called PG&E about their gas. That means 45,000 people turned off their gas. Did they all need to turn off their gas? Shake your heads, no. Because when do you need to turn off the gas? Only if there's a problem, right? Because what happens then? How long do you think it takes PG&E to get out there and turn it back on? 45,000 people, days, weeks, I'm thinking maybe even a month. Who has seen one of these out in the street? Now, a lot of times what you're gonna find in there is a bunch of muck. Okay, that's what this nerd volunteer here is doing, cleaning out their little gas valve access. It's full of dirt, it's full of weeds. You turn it to the right to tighten it, righty-tighty, turn it to left to open it, lefty-loosey. This one's been cleaned out. If you look at the one at your house, which is part of your homework tonight, go home and look at the one at your house, go ahead take a big screwdriver or a pry bar or something, pop open that lid, take a look in there, see what's going on in there, okay? You'll see that it's full of crud. It's not nice and clean like this. Okay, who has seen one of these things around their house? Everybody, right? Each meter has a shut off. Does everybody know where their gas meter is? I see some head shaking. Okay, you wanna find out where that is, okay? I mean, that way you could keep track of your PG&E usage, and but more importantly, you'll know where to shut it off. And here's the shutoff right here, okay? I've got a few tasty little tools up here. You guys can look at these. Any hardware store will sell you these. Um, basically what these do is they fit right on this. And that allows you to turn off the gas. When we talk about the wheels spinning wildly, there are these little wheels right up here on top. Half cubic foot and cubic foot wheels. Okay, if you've got a broken pipe, those things are gonna be spinning like mad. I mean, tonight, or when it's daylight, go home, you know, you've know, you got the heater on, you've got the oven on, take a look at those top wheels. They're spinning, but they're not spinning like mad. You'll see them start to creep around a little bit. You know, If you turn on every gas appliance in your house, you'll see them moving. But if you break a three quarter inch gas pipe, <laughs> they'll be spinning like mad. And what are you gonna smell? What, what is that, the smell you smell that from National Gas, right? It's that uh, rotten egg thing, mercaptan it's an additive that's added to methane because our natural gas is methane. And what we know about methane is that it it rises, right? Because it's lighter than air. So if you smell the natural gas thing, you want to get out, shut off the gas, and sort of ventilate the room. Open up the doors and windows, get some air in there, get that natural gas out. To test this thing, you want to turn it an eighth of a turn, okay? If this is a quarter turn, that's an eighth of a turn. Just turn it an eighth of a turn and turn it back to the way it was. And notice this little, sort of a valve stem thing, that's going straight with the flow of the pipe, that means it's open. If this is in the direction of the pipe, it's open. If it's across a quarter turn, that means you've shut off the gas. But if you turn an eighth of a turn, you haven't shut off the gas, but you've moved it. Is it better to turn it off here or out in the street, that little one with a the, with the crusty spindle? Um, these are generally in better shape. If you can get to this valve safely, you know, the building's collapsed on it, you're not gonna be able to get to it. Then you have to use the one out in the street. But this one, um, PG&E went around a few years ago and they put all the meters outside of the houses in a lot of, a lot of neighborhoods. So these are pretty easy to get to. And also, you'll find these—they're um, easy to find too. Because if you can find that little, that little round circle that's out in the sidewalk, you stand in front of that circle, and the street's behind you, and you look directly at the house. You'll find this meter and that shut off somewhere on the ground floor, generally. This is a close-up of your gas meter and the shutoff. Here's somebody working the uh, valve with a wrench. This is the kind of wrench I like to recommend because you can use it for a lot of other things. These things are cheap. They sell them in almost every hardware store and they work, but this is great because you can use it somewhere else if you have to. It's an adjustable open end wrench. Here's a diagram of off, on. There's a shutoff valve. Here's another shutoff coming up out of the dirt. Here's one problem you might have. You get this wrench that doesn't quite work, it runs into the ground. Also, we like to leave these wrenches next to the, the, the shut off. You know, just tie it off with a wire. Here it is, we'll cover it again when you shut off the gas, okay? okay if the building's collapsed, pretty good idea to shut it off, right? Because the building collapses, all the pipes are gonna be broken. You can bet money that you know there's a gas leak. If you do smell gas in there, we want you to leave the door open. Open some windows, okay? And for goodness sake, don't operate any electrical switches because what happens when you throw a switch? You cause a spark. Don't use your cell phone or or use a cell phone outside or use a neighbor's phone to call 911, get everyone out of the building, close the gas valve, set it, and forget it. That means you know, don't open it up again even though you've got this electric ignition on your stove. There's probably a leak, you've got troubles. Wait for PG&E to come, test it, make sure it's all clear. Any other questions on gas? Okay, what's one of the most important things in an emergency, any emergency? Every day, water. Somewhere out in front of the house, you'll see one of these too, okay? SFWD, San Francisco Water Department. You're probably wondering, how do we get in here? It's real easy. A long screwdriver or a pry bar, you stick it in there, you kind of just push, pull it this way and that whole thing will lift right out. Even if it's crusty, you'll be able to get it out. That's what it looks like in there, okay? Nice brass covered uh, water meter, there it is. So how would you tell if water was leaking in a building without going in there? You think, yeah, that thing would be pegged, okay? Actually what it is, this thing would be spinning pretty good. There's also another little guy that spins really well. Here's how you shut it on and off. There's a little, sort of just like the gas thing, that sort of valve thing with the little square head but there's also a couple ears on this valve uh, spindle. You line up the two ears. They have like a little hole there for the uh, water guys to put a padlock, okay? They do that when you haven't paid your bill. If it's on, it's, it's in direction of the flow, just like the gas thing, okay? When it's off, this is where it fools you, these two line up. So that thing's still gonna be in the direction of the flow, but these two little ears here, they're gonna line up so you can put a padlock in there. That tells you that you've got it shut off. And here's where the, the meter is up here. Okay. Just like the, the, that gas circle thing, you know, if you see that thing on a sidewalk and you're standing in the street, you, you got that thing in front of you and you look directly at the house, you're going to find a gas meter, the gas shut off. Same thing with the water. If you've got that water thing in front of you, you look directly at the house, nine times out of ten, somewhere on that bottom floor coming up from the ground, you'll find the main water shut off right here. A lot of places now have... Um, these uh, sprinklers. Um, and so if you show off the main out in the street you also disconnect the fire sprinkler system. I mean these are residential systems. Commercial systems are different. They're painted red. They have a different main entirely. So if you have a choice of, of shutting off the water in somebody's house go for the one that comes up out between the foundation and, and then usually it's in the garage or the basement. And this one here you turn it to the right. Right to tighten, left to loosen. This is a lot easier to turn on and off, if you can get in the garage, but if you can't, if it's collapsed, then use the one out in the street. And we recommend you only do it when it's safe to do so. If the building's collapsed or there's a further danger of collapsing, just let it go. You know, make a note of it, tell somebody, and they'll send me or Frank in and we'll do it. This is a real basic electrical system. Um, sort of a knife switch and these little screw-in fuses. There aren't too many of those around anymore. Most everybody has the breakers, right? The ones they are like switches, you, okay? Just to show you what they look like, on, off. If this is a safety box, you won't be able to get it open until you turn it off. Here's the inside of it. A couple of screw-in fuses, a couple of extras. This is a cartridge fuse up here, and these are the screw-in fuses here. If you run into this, the way you shut this main off is you pull it out, and here it says on. You can't see it well, Or and here it says off. Pull it out, flip it upside down, stick it back in. You've effectively turned off the main to these branch circuits. Circuit breakers, this is what most people have, okay? You've got your meter. Once again, that's how PG&E charges us. Um, then you've got your sort of branch circuits. Main, they're the big, the big ones. They're usually they're uh, 60 or 100 or 50. You know, and the little guys are usually 20 to 15 or 30. If you want to shut off somebody's power, well, you want to shut off the little guys first, okay? And then shut off the main because it's like any time you throw a switch, there's that, that, that arc. You know, it, the arc is smaller when you throw the main if you shut off the little branches first. You sort of, it's sort of like water, okay? When water flows in an old house, and you shut it off real quick, you get that hammer effect. That's kind of like electricity. It wants to keep flowing, but if you shut it off real quick, it's going to want to jump the gap of the switch there. Is it safe to do this if you smell natural gas? Is it safe to turn off the electricity? By show of hands, who say yes? Yes? Nobody's got their hands up. It's not safe to flick any switches if, there's, if you smell natural gas. When are we going to shut off the electricity? Okay. How about if we've got smoke or something coming out of an outlet? Good idea, right? Um, or if there's gas and maybe it's safe to do so. like If you can shut this off in an area away from where the gas is, probably not a bad idea. You can't smell gas, but you know there's gas in the house, and you're down here in the basement. Go ahead and shut it off. Just about anything could be a hazardous material, everyday common things. Um, cleaners, solvents, some people's hair products, you know, anything could be hazardous. Um, And they're everywhere. But the only time they really become hazardous is if they're misused or if there's a disaster. Do we see many of these in San Francisco? No, not really. That's probably propane or some sort of compressed combustible gas. But we do have a port and there is an industrial area. Now, keys to hazardous material safety. Basically, identify where they're stored. Are there many hazardous material storage places in this area? No, there aren't. Is there dry cleaners in the neighborhood? Yes, probably a couple of them. Remember Grand Auto? Who can remember Grand Auto? <laughs> yeah, it's now Kragans, okay? But what do you think they got in there? They got all kinds of good stuff solvents, cleaners, you know, um, octane boosters. It's all fine, it's all great, you know, until there's a natural disaster. Where does all this nicely stacked, neatly rowed stuff end up? Right on the floor, okay? And it all gets mixed together, becomes a nice hazardous soup, not to mention the fact it's usually very slippery. Safeway, pretty innocuous right down here, you know? What do you think they got in there, kids? Um, We'll show you. Bleach, okay? Bleach is great, everybody uses it to keep your night out. use it this afternoon to get my shirt nice and white. It works great. Um, Do we need this much bleach at home? No. Say if I really need this much bleach? Probably not. Look what they had across the aisle from uh, the bleach. Okay, has anybody ever read one of these labels? Yeah, we all have. It says don't mix ammonium bleach. Makes that funky gas that they used in World War I, phosgene. These are all bad things to mix with bleach, okay? Who's got some of these things in there, underneath the sink? I mean, I do, everybody does, okay? You wanna segregate the ones that shouldn't go together. And how do we find out which ones don't go together? We read the labels, okay? Placards and labels. These are Department of Transportation placards. Notice something about them, they're colored, right? Those look like they're all red. And they've got this sort of flame thing up there. There's a little number here and there's a number here. We've got books in our rigs that tell us what these are just based on the number. Like we'll, we'll say a 1219, we'll look in the book, you know, Oh, look. Truck carrying 1219s over on the side and it's leaking everywhere. What do we got here? Frank says, oh, George, we got uh, 92 octane gasoline. I go, Ooh, that's not good, Frank. You know, then we call some people and get some help. You know? But we as NERT as volunteers, are not going to be hazardous material people. We're not going to have the book. All you need to know is that this is red, it's flammable, there's a problem with it. Basically, let somebody, let us know and keep people away from it. Here's some more lovely placards. These are just like the ones in your book, except these have colors. Explosives? We know that's pretty dangerous. So anything orange, red, yellow? How about this one? That's a fun one. Spontaneously combustible. That means it's just gonna catch on fire by itself. Okay? An oxidizer, what that means is that's gonna it's gonna make a small fire into really big fire without much help. Okay? Inhalation hazard, don't breathe it, okay? Um, the rest of it's pretty self-explanatory. This is an NFPA 704 diamond. You don't need to know any of that. Basically, it's the colors thing again. Okay, blue, it's health. You know, it, it's gonna wreck your health. The number, if you've got a number four here, that I means it's gonna wreck your health like fast, okay? A number zero means, eh, no problem, okay? Red one, same thing. A number four up in the red means it's a fire hazard and it's going to poof catch on fire like that. The yellow is reactivity. A number four means it may detonate. It's going to go kaboom. This is the handy dandy B&S Hacienda, auto body repair. I don't know where this is, but we drive by this place and we can tell that, okay, one, there's a health hazard of some stuff in there. but what we're cluing in and is right here, number four. I mean, there's just some really flammable stuff in there. So when Frank and I show up, we're going to put on our thinking caps and go, woo. We have figure this out. Now, I got a question for you. Do you think putting this great label on the front door is a good idea? Glass front door? (laughs) Mm, Maybe not, okay? Because what happens when you leave? You leave the door open, or what happens when we show up? What do we usually do? We break the door in. Um, So that's going to disappear. Maybe somewhere off to the side would be better. Okay, hazardous materials, how they get into us? How they get into us, our bodies? Okay, you can breathe them. You can eat them, or you can just get them on you, okay? Or they can be injected in you. You know, like if, if you spilled hazardous material in the, uh, the Grand Auto or the Kragans and there's broken glass, you slip, you fall on that. You cut yourself, now you've got the hazardous material in you, on you. You probably breathed it in, you're toast. So basically stay out of that place. Okay, here's some signs of hazardous material spills. Pretty easy, right? It's an overturned container with one of these placards on it, one of those labels. Okay, it's bubbling, it's oozing. Yeah, that's a pretty good tip-off. Um, a pungent or noxious odors. Bubbling liquids or vapors. Um, yeah, anything like that. If you, know, if you see something like that after an earthquake, think twice about just going up there and giving it a good kick, okay? Don't go up and give it a kick. You know, don't pick it up, don't shake it, and don't taste it. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna send. You're gonna, you're gonna safety first, that's your safety, okay? Then everybody else around you, maybe, secondly. Isolate the area, that's for everybody else and then notify the fire department, that's us. Now, around the house, we use this other acronym, LIES. Basically, that's limit the amount of stuff you're storing. Okay, we like to isolate the materials in enclosed cabinets, Lock metal ones are the best, but not everyone can afford that. Okay, eliminate items you no longer use, and separate incompatible materials. That's basically separate the, the flammables from the oxidizers, you know, the bleach from the uh, ammonia, stuff like that and you're going to ask me in a minute, George, where can I take this garage full of stuff I've got? Right? Somebody in here has a garage full of stuff. I know there's at least one person, because that's me. I've got a garage full of stuff I don't use anymore. Okay? There's a place down on Tunnel Avenue. If you're a city resident, you take it down there, just show them that you're a city resident, and they'll take it off your hands. Also, you can call Sunset Scavenger. Call them and say, maybe you can't get down to Tunnel Avenue. Say, hey, I can't get down there. I've got uh, they, they might not come out for like fifty five gallon drums, but if you 've got four or five gallons of maybe waste oil or something they 'll come and they 'll pick it up okay or if you 've got some gasoline you haven 't used in a while they 'll come and they 'll pick it up. The main thing is safety okay we don 't want to end up like this guy right here, okay He had a garage full of stuff he didn 't heed the warnings. <laughs> there was a horrible accident, and now he 's getting carried out now for for each one of these guys to carry out this one guy. How many guys do you think there are backing them up? I figure at least four apiece. I'm a hazardous material specialist, and we don't send in a team unless we have the same amount of people and then some to back them up. Just just a heads up, just sort of get you to gauge what an incident can be. Okay, this guy got this big old thumb right here. He's going to put it over his incident, okay? The rule of thumb is this. If you can cover the incident with your thumb, you're far enough away. Okay, that's the rule of thumb. Does it look like he's got it covered up with his thumb here? No, because you see all the smoke going off to the side. He doesn't have it all covered up. He's still too close. So he's got to back up further, even even with the rule of thumb. Okay, And one of these hazardous material incidents, we want you to use the rule of time, distance, and shielding. Okay, what's time? That means don't stick around. Get out of there, okay? Distance, that means get far away from it. And shielding means basically put or something solid between you and the incident. Limit your time, increase your distance, and get shielding between you and the hazard. Basically, you want to get uphill and upwind. So you want to be down here, here's the incident. Okay? Have the wind behind you. Now, where does the wind come come from in San Francisco? To get the right place would be somewhere on the beach with twin twin peaks between you and the incident. Okay, that'd be optimum. that's of course, the incident was at the beach, in which case. You know, you want to put time, distance, and shielding. There's the incident. You want to be down there. Okay, upwind, upwind, uphill, with a couple of hills between you.
1: Anybody out there ever put a fire out before by themselves? Yes. Real small fire? That's, well, that's the good kind. Yeah, you want to stop it when it's small. And that's the thing. That's why you guys are here, because... George and I and the rest of the fire department, we're going to try to take care of the big fires. But we would hope that, think about if everybody in this room had a fire extinguisher or two fire extinguishers, how much fire you guys could put out. So uh, obviously this was down the marina, Loma Prieta. This is a big fire. So we're going to be getting these. You guys won't be fighting these things. It's going to be hard for us to get around, you know, in a disaster, in an earthquake. If you remember during Loma Prieta, how hard it was because streetcars, trolley buses, things like that, they all stopped. No electricity we have this thing called a above ground water hydrant system and what it was is invented years ago by one of our fire chiefs and if you this is what saved the marina by the fire boat pumping into this put the fires out in the marina okay so before you put a fire out you want to stop look listen and think okay you size up the situation this is what we do in the fire department and it's a continuous fact gathering process and what you do is you know you look at it you know as a little fire is it a candle burning? Do I go get the fire extinguisher? I call 911? No. You know, is it the whole house is on fire? Can I put this out? You just kind of think about it. And normally a fire extinguisher, which I'm going to show you in a little while, it would cover a area about the size of a table. And anything bigger or higher than your head starts getting up into other areas, it's too big for you to put out with an extinguisher. Okay, so before you consider fighting, make sure everyone's left the building. You know, yell out. Obviously, we say like work, in, we're going to say this is work in pairs. But if you're by yourself, you know, it's just you. So, make sure if you're last one out of the room, make sure you close the door. Don't lock it. Uh, Locking the door here is the fire department, search and rescue. So stay low, avoid smoke and toxic gases. So the best there is close to the floor, Crawl as little as possible. Cover your mouth and nose. You know, with a towel or a sheet or something, dry cloth, something like that. And if you actually, if you have a jacket or something, if there is a little bit of flame on the way out, put a bunch of clothes on or wrap yourself in a blanket. Just that layer of clothing will give you some extra protection. Well, we always say, you know, have an emergency plan for an earthquake, have an emergency plan for, for fires. How about elevators? Are they a safe place to be? Earthquakes or fires, huh? Always take the stairs. Okay, when you're going down the stairs, you know, Try to hang onto the handrail all the way because there's always going to be that one or two people that start to panic. They'll bump into you. The lights could go out at any time. And as you're walking down, pay attention to the floors. You know, you'll see fifth floor and you got a fourth floor, third floor, just in case if the lights go out, you know, okay, I got to go three more floors before I get to the lobby. Or maybe the mezzanine will be closed. Because a lot of times people think, oh, I'll just go to the bottom until it stops. Well, let's say you have two floors of parking underneath. Now you're underground. Okay, so you're working to build multiple stories, just like I said, that's your main escape route. Sometimes it's a fire escape, never go up. You know, unless there's smoke or something down there and you can't go down, then you could go up, but right? majority of the time never go up. It's not gonna be like Tower and Inferno where they're gonna go up to the roof and helicopter helicopter's gonna come and pick you up. Okay, so as you said, notify fire department. never fight a fire alone, always work in pairs with two extinguishers. So always have one extinguisher and the other person's more or less your backup to get you out. So that's mainly as a NERT volunteer when you actually got your yellow helmet, your orange vest and all that. So never, never fight a fire if it's already a large fire. And large fire means starting to get over your head. It's just, if you're scared of it and it's a little too big, then it's too large for you. If it's spread beyond where it started, if it's blocking your escape route, and you're unsure how to use the extinguisher. Now, on an extinguisher, or you'll see this other places too, but there's four types of fire, and it's actually going to be on the label, usually right on the front, right down here. Water type extinguisher. You'll see a lot of times uh, it's a chrome, real big thing like this, holds two and a half gallons of water. You go 30, 40 feet away is the maximum that you, but you'd actually want to get closer, and you just you know, flood it with water. Sometimes you can put your thumb over the tip, over the nozzle and it kind of fans it out in a pattern. Uh, Class B and C or A, B and C, they're called dry chemicals. And what it is, is inside here, this is a BC. This is one you might have in your car. And it's uh, just not used on wood paper, class A fires, only on flammable liquids and electrical fires. So that's pretty much what you'd use for your car. But if you can get an ABC, that's the most ideal. It's gonna have a pressure gauge. It's gonna have a metal handle and it's gonna have a good size rubber nozzle. And of course the label and all that's gonna tell you what kind of fire it's for. Okay, so we got, just remember pass. So you wanna pull the pin out, okay? Aim the nozzle, squeeze the lever. Now don't squeeze it in class six. has happened plenty of times, so I'm telling you now, please don't shoot the instructor in the foot because <laughs> When you hold it, hold it here and don't squeeze down, right? Because when you pull that pin, and you start squeezing, it's going to shoot down. So just hold it just like that and keep your thumb out of the way. And then uh, aim at the base of the fire. And then when you say sweep, you sweep slowly back and forth and then move in closer. You know, don't, keep, don't be afraid. Don't be way back here if the fire is over there. You got to get in there. You know, get in there and get the closer you get, the more dry chemical powder you're going to put on the fire. And it will go out faster. So as we said, stay low. Uh, before you enter a room, always feel it with the back of your hand you know and then feel, uh, feel the doorknob, see if it's hot. If it is hot and you don't see any smoke or anything, open it real slowly, grab onto that don't let go of that door handle, open it slowly, take a look inside. you know if it's a small fire and you can put it out, go ahead and do it work in pairs. Like I said the second person is your backup. Uh, if you can't go in there the fire is too big, close the door up again and of course you know go get more help. Have two. Emergency exits if you can. You know, if you know, okay, there's a fire escape over there and the stairway we just came up. There's your two exits, you know. Everybody see one of these before? These hose cabinets? There'll be a fire extinguisher in there. There'll be 50 feet of hose. There'll be a nozzle. And there's actually water in there and you can, you know, turn it on. Don't do what he's doing. (laughs) Because if you turn this on, you're just going to have a big pile of spaghetti with hose everywhere. And what you want to do is if you have two people, that's the most ideal. One person, flake the hose out to whatever apartment or you're going to, you're going to put the fire out with. Don't open the door yet, then have the other person turn the water on. Okay, so know your limits, your physical condition, mental condition. You know, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, then just get out, you know, keep yourself safe. Okay, so we have some gauze. And this is made of cotton. What kind of class of fire is that? A. A. Okay, and we have some fire. We have air, we have heat. You have a fire going. Now if I went like that, what did I just do? Took the oxygen, smothered it. Very good, yeah. Real simple, right? Remember uh, your hot water heaters? There's um, the pilot lights usually lit all the time. We say don't store gasoline in your garage. So gasoline gives off vapors. Now, if we heat this up, not that you have to heat up the gasoline, but that's why a lot of times, if you store gasoline near a hot water heater, the vapors alone will uh, catch fire. The vapors traveled and caught, but you don't have to actually light something like a candle. Like you put a match to a candle, like you don't have to actually have to touch something. We'll add a little more, make some more effect here. Okay, so you got cherry's Jubilee. What, what do you do? How do you, how do you put this out? <laughs> put,
0: the on. put the lid out. Put the lid on? What
1: are do you going to have a lid? Cookie sheet. Cookie sheets. Very good. That's a good one. Yeah, anything. Just cover the thing, take it off the burner, turn it off. Now, do I right away say, oh, I wonder if it's out, and then open it again? No. no. You already put it out. Just leave it alone. Now, what's the cheapest fire extinguisher you could probably buy? Baking soda, just a little bit, it's a real simple thing. You don't buy a couple of boxes of baking soda, have it near your stove, wherever you're cooking, and then just cut the top off like halfway so it's all ready to go. Then all you'd have to do is get that box and just boom, dump it right on there. Now do you then stir it around and make sure it's out? No, You you just smothered it, baking soda doesn't burn so you, it reacted with the fire and it just, it can't burn. Okay, now we're down to the homework. So read these pages in your book, 2638. Locate the gas, water, electrical shutoffs inside and outside your home. And do the course evaluation. And then like George is saying, just crank that gas just a, an eighth of a turn. Just a little bit. Either go left or go right just to make sure that it works. And you know where it's at. Very good you guys, thank you.